So Ian is coming to preach to us today about evangelism, which is frightening. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to read out of the Great Commission, which is found at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, starting uh, in chapter 28, verse 16. So right at the end of Matthew's Gospel, it says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray for Ian. Hello, we thank you for Ian's mind and Ian's heart. And we pray that our minds and our hearts be open to receiving what he has to share about you and your good news today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Hi. Hello. How are, how are y'all? Um, the, a few weeks ago, uh, James and I were talking, and he asked me to uh, uh, preach today. And I realized uh, that this is a couple weeks after sun, after Easter Sunday. We heard a great presentation from uh, from James a couple weeks ago on uh, Easter and the death and resurrection of Christ. It was very good, very touched all the major points. And it was really excellent. Um, then we have the Ascension in a few weeks, and that will be happening, uh, I believe, toward the end of May. Um, in between, we often kind of forget that there are some really significant parts, but um, the Book of Acts actually goes through a lot that happened um, in these immediate parts, and that's one thing that I wanted to discuss today, because one of the things that uh, Jesus does in between those two parts is the Great Commission, which James already read. Um, and as James said, sometimes this passage can be very inspiring to us. I know a lot of people who consider it one of the most important verses they know, but a lot of us also consider it scary. Um, and I specifically wanted to preach about this and on that dreaded word, evangelism, partially because Wellspring has been teaching me so much on this. Um, after being a Christian for as long as I have, I often feel like, oh, I know everything now. I know so much about, about uh, theology and soteriology and all these things. And yet I'm still I'm still learning a lot about so many aspects of the Bible. And you guys have been really good at teaching me about evangelism without even necessarily knowing it. Um, and I did want to discuss some of that um, today, partially because um, a lot of what we know about evangelism has come through part. And um, yet it was one of the last things that Jesus said. And I do want to look at it in more depth. Um, one of the groups that I'm involved with is called the Red Letter Christians. Um, they're a group um, who focus a lot on what Jesus said. Those red letters in the Bible, those are um, Jesus' words, and they focus a lot on what he did. And it makes a lot of their theology a little bit easier because what happens in a lot of the letters is a lot, lot, is a lot of what is much more uh, discussable and can be misinterpreted. Jesus' words, they say, is, is a lot easier to interpret. Um, and, and they're much bolder, and so they're much stronger to do that. 
And yet this is one of the last things that Jesus said. And so they're stuck with this very strong sense of evangelism and reaching out and doing that. Uh, and it's important to understand what Jesus said and not just what we are told about it. Um, our understanding of evangelism is really important, and I want to go through several parts of what happened in that passage, in that passage at the end of, of Matthew 28. First, there's a little section of what I call the comfort. Um, where did they go? Like, note that at the beginning, they, um, they went back to Galilee, they went to a mountain, they went to a place that Jesus told them to go. Um, I really, uh, what I think of when I think of this is um, there's, uh, there's a line in The Prince's Bride where when anything goes wrong, what do you do? Go back to the beginning. And that's what they did. They went back to the beginning, back to a place of comfort and a place of where they could talk and where Jesus, they could actually review. This is what Wellspring is becoming for me. It's becoming a, that kind of place of comfort, and I hope it's becoming, becoming for you. Um, we also have a lot of those kinds of places in our past. Um, I have a couple of those very definitely strongly for me. A lot of you know that I went to Moody Bible Institute. That, for me, was one of those places of comfort. Um, I also lived in Jesus People USA for a year, living in Chicago. This was a place that, for me, was very comfortable. One of the problems with those places, though, and it comes from kind of trust and the relaxation we have there, is that we trust them so much, we kind of forget, or they can make us mold to their image of what we think they should, they should be. This is exactly what happened to me. When I was at Moody, it was so important for me to fit in and to be in that place that I thought was comfortable. I went through conversion therapy. I did a lot to try to be who they wanted me to be rather than who I God wanted me to be. Um, their love was not unconditional. It was based on me being the person they wanted me to be. Um, even if you got out of those situations, I know people who got out of Moody and didn't like it, but they ended up abandoning Christianity as a whole. I know people who left Jesus People USA, Jehuza for short, and they completely abandoned their whole faith. And so even though they got out of it, they were still reacting to that, um, that experience they had. Uh, now, on the other hand, I have some great friends from there. Um, my, I have a very good friend, my friend Laura, who helped me actually walk through when I was first coming out being gay. Um, she was, we both came from this very conservative background. We both looked at the Bible very similarly. She walked through it very well with me, and she stuck by me. She very definitely let me know right when I started saying, I don't think this is God's best purpose for your life. And we talked about that, and we managed to work all the way through it to where we both felt comfortable me being who I am as opposed to what we thought I should be. Um, Wellspring, I'm feeling much more comfortable like that. I've started to develop a lot of friendships like those friends at Moody, but here I feel comfortable knowing that I can be different. Um, you all know that I'm gay, and you know that I'm, I've spent a lot of time from the US. Um, I'm, I still feel welcome inside of both of those, and I'm, not, I'm often not sure which one you think is worse. Um, so I still feel welcome. I'm still very glad to be here, um, even though, and again, this is very important to me, even though my background is very theologically conservative, I look at the Bible very strictly and very, I have a very strong conservative um, teaching. And James and I can talk, and it, it can be really hilarious because we can often come at things very differently, and yet we end up, one thing I often say is that my conservative theology is exactly what brings me to some very loving and liberal activities. 
Um, and so it's the very, my very seriousness with which I take the Bible and with which I look at Jesus that means I have to do some things that people, some people don't like. And you hear, you guys welcome me. And you listen to me. You feel like you don't have to check boxes. You just feel like you have to love. And that is what God wants. Um, next, there's a, there's a really small section in, in, uh, in that passage. Um, there you are with the 11 disciples. Jesus is there. Jesus is, is, is wonderful and there. They've seen him rise. They've walked through this whole experience with him. We all think that must have been wonderful. And that would have been the perfect illustration that our faith is correct. And yet, what does it have? It's a very small line. Some doubted. Some were doubtful. Um, and I think this can be very important um, because these are the very parents of our faith, and yet some were doubtful. Um, I think we sometimes get the wrong idea about doubt. I, we think that doubt makes us weak. Doubt makes us less of a Christian. Doubt, we can't express our doubt. Um, and yet, part, doubt is part of our growth. Um, just like we are called to be joyful and um, happy and, well, and, and be positive, sometimes um, life doesn't let us do that. And so being, having those times that are where you're unhappy helps you appreciate those times of joyfulness better. Similarly, when you have those moments of doubt, it helps us to understand our, um, our, our faith. Being the opposite is not necessarily bad. It's part of what we do to grow. Growth or doubt is not there to destroy us. It's there to help us to grow. Um, next in this passage, it talks about Jesus um, claiming his authority. Now, this is particularly interesting um, because Jesus actually had this authority all along. He could have called on it at any time. Um, but he was obedient. Philippians uh, 2.8 says he was obedient to death, death on a cross. Um, and now, at the end of all this, after he's been resurrected, now he claims authority. And he asks us to do something because of that authority. Note that, that is, that's an important link there, um, that he claims authority. He says, I have all authority, and therefore I want you to do these things. So he doesn't want us to rebel and to go against the, the, um, the, the powers. What he wants us to do is there are three things he wants us to do. He wants us to go. Ultimately, he wants us to go to all nations. Um, this uh, is a bit of a challenge for me. Uh, because I'm actually very much of an introvert. I don't necessarily look at look like an introvert. A lot of people don't believe me when I say that. But back in when I was in high school, I didn't even sit at the table that was not reserved for the cool guys. I didn't sit at another table and long to be at that table. I actually didn't even go into the cafeteria. I would I would eat my lunch outside. I would walk around. I can literally remember walking around the track dozens of times during that hour for lunch. Because that was what I, and it's not that I, I felt rejected. It's not that I felt excluded. That's what I wanted to do. I was an introvert, and that was my way to express myself. Um, so when I'm told to go and to go out to the nations, this can be very scary. Um, but it was really necessary for me to break those chains, and I've learned a lot about how to fake being an extrovert. And yes, I do fake being an extrovert, and I don't think it's bad. I'm not an extrovert, but I can try to act like one. We all have to do this to some degree, and for each of us, this kind of going is different, but we all have to realize what, our, what we need to do to meet, those, to meet that challenge. The next phase that um, Jesus talked about is to make disciples. Um, this again. So the first part is to go, then we make disciples. Now, again, I'm an introvert. I do 
avoid all the really bad parts that Jesus wants me to do. And so I, I lodged this. Oh, but he were called, called to teach. This I can do. So I got involved with the Bible studies, um, all kinds of teaching. So I went to Moody um, as a kid. Again, back, back to me being a kid a bit, I was very much the math and science kid. And I would help my, my, uh, my, the other students at their math. And it was really great for me sometimes because I wouldn't necessarily even just tell them the answers. I would help them to think through it. And it was really good for me to sometimes see their light, their eyes light up when they realized what I was talking about. Like when they actually saw the connections in, my, in math and science and why this is important, that was really cool. And I think, and I feel the same way about theology. It's really cool when I'm talking about the Bible and people are, yeah, there are little days sometimes and not sure what I'm saying, but when they actually connect in and you see their light, their eyes light up, that's really cool. Um, so I got involved with with churches, I went to Moody, discovered I could teach, this is really cool, this is my next phase away from being an introvert, but I still avoided the hardest parts. And that's where the next part comes in, because that's where we are called to baptize. And even though here and here, I was able to avoid it for a while. I'll say, baptism, that's just dunking people. That's just taking them into a hole and sticking them under. And I did this for some of my very best friends, who I, I can remember my friend James, one of the first people that I, not just James, um, we, uh, he asked me to baptize him, and I was really happy to do so. Um, but uh, slowly realized that baptizing is not just dunking them in the pool, it's getting them to want to be in the pool. And that means talking to them, talking to people who are not necessarily already part of a church, and that's where we talk about evangelism. Evangelism, that dark word that we all don't like to hear about, never occurs actually in the Bible. It, the word evangelist does. It actually happens three times. That's the person who does evangelism. But there's still no real clear description of what evangelism is other than sharing the good news. And that happens a lot in the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Um, my experience with evangelism had been from one extreme to another. When I first became a Christian, it was my friend Rob, who was, I was at the University of Waterloo at the time. He was one of the best uh, physics students, um, he was actually in my class, one of the best physics students there. Actually, he eventually went to uh, Harvard, that's where he actually had a job teaching. Um, yeah, he died a few years ago, but um, he actually was the one who talked me into being a Christian. And he did it very subtly. We were just talking. I, I literally, I can remember the day I discovered he was a, a Christian. I went, oh, well, he seems nice anyway. I think I like him anyway. And so and I literally decided, even though he was a Christian, I was going to be his friend. And now, remember, part of this is because he's also the best physics student, so I wanted to latch onto his abilities, but I wanted to be his friend as well. Um, so anyway, Rob was able to talk to me and did it so naturally that um, I was talking, I can remember talking to one of my friends, uh, another friend. So Rob and I would talk a lot about theology. I was talking to another friend, and I realized that I was actually arguing the Bible. So one of the reasons I actually don't have one of these moments of revelation where I gave my heart to God is that I realized, there was this time I realized, oh my gosh, I actually believe the Bible. This is, it was so natural and so relaxed. It, there was no threat to me whatsoever. Um, and then I went on, um, went to Moody, did a bunch of things. Um, when I was at Moody, one of my difficulties was that I, I had to do what we call practical Christian ministry. And so I would actually go out and do some of these classic things. I did street preaching, uh, which I've 
tried to do very relaxed, but I still didn't like it at all. We would go to um, we would do hospital visitation where you go in and go to rooms and talk to people about God. I would go in and try to encourage them, but I just felt like this whole evangelism thing was so difficult. So I tried lots of different ways to figure out how to evangelize. I read books on lifestyle evangelism. I tried to do all these different things, and nothing stuck. I didn't like the subject. I always felt like I was trying to manipulate people into talking about God and talking about their relationship with spirituality, and it never seemed to work. To work. Um, but then I discovered, and a lot of this was through here, that the good news is not just about theology and salvation and rules. The good news is actually very practical. It's about helping each other to see God. And that's what you guys have really helped me to do. It's about recognizing the darkness in the world and helping each other to overcome it. It might be about salvation, but it might not. Different people are in different places at different times, and we're just there to help them along the way. In our pluralistic world in particular, we have to recognize that we can't always talk about the things that we've been able to do in the past or that we feel like people have pressured us to do in the past. Um, I, then the church has done a very bad job at this in the past. As a result, the church is known for rules, is known for hate, is known for judgment. And for us, one of the good news, the things about the good news is that we can tell them, our church isn't like that. Our church um, does uh, actually the opposite of that. Um, we understand that the good news is actually about the reverse of those things. It's about making each of us comfortable about where we are. Um, I can be comfortable here being a gay person. Um, some people have asked me if we, if I'm going to pride, the Pride Parade this year or the Pride events downtown. I will be, and any of you are welcome to come along if you want to. I think that would be a good thing for us to try and do, just to reach out. We are trying to do that. We're trying to do things like um, reaching out to the community with our, our uh, and needs as far as our garden is concerned. That's something we're trying to build. It's not necessarily a traditional uh, Christian church thing but it is something that we're trying to do for ourselves and to reach out to others and to be able to grow things and to show that community gardening is good. We're trying to be environmentally active. We're trying to learn about um, climate change. We're trying to uh, do a bunch of things. I know you've heard me preaching. A lot of you have talked about that. Um, and I'm really discovering that all of that is all part of the good news that we are able to talk about with others. And seriously, I'm able to do this with my friends in the gay community and at work and I describe the things that we're doing, and people will say, oh, where are you doing this? And I'll say, well, I'm, it's at my church. I'm actually not really supposed to talk about church at work. And they're really interested. I mean, some people go, oh, church. And you can see part of their connection is, church is not as bad as I thought it was. And so this all becomes part of what we can describe as the good news. So we're, what the, one of the biggest things I find about this, though, is that we're not being manipulative. We're being very relaxed. I'm definitely talking about the things that I want to talk about. They're talking about what they want to talk about. And this really becomes, they see it even as good news. And that's one of the things that G, when, when Jesus described it as good news, everyone thought it was good news. It wasn't us can, trying to convince people, this is good news. It's that everyone thought it was good news. And those are the good news that we have today. Being ourselves is good news. Um, when Jesus says he wants, um, he wants us to, uh, to teach um, teach them to follow all that I've commanded you, what he's actually talking about is that he wants us to love each other. He wants us to be able to experience love and to um, go beyond to show others what love is. So in conclusion, 
I want to talk a little bit about one of the last parts that Jesus said, he is with us always. This is not, even though that first part, the authority comes from, then there's the evangelism. The next part is not a condition. The next part is just a conjunction. It is, so whether or not we're successful at this, whether or not we do well at our evangelism, even if we struggle as I always did, Jesus is always going to be with us. That is very important. So in closing my sermon, the same way that Jesus kind of talked about the, these things to the disciples, I want to get to emphasize that we should all go, challenge yourself, talk to others, spread the good news, no matter how you define it, you let others know what you think is good, be yourself. And no matter how successful you are at these things, that and is very important because Jesus will always be with us. Thank you.